0: And welcome to another episode of the Extra Innings Baseball Podcast. Today is Tuesday, November 27th. My name is Mark Stubing.
1: And my name is Ryan Vance, and it has been a minute. We've been away for a little while, taking a break from the regular routine. But we're back to talk about, now that there's some news to talk about, all the different yeah. awards and uh, some of the early trades and pickups for free agents and whatnot. So I think we have a pretty good episode for you all in all to cover here today. And the first thing we're going to do, um, maybe majority or close to half of the segment we'll just be talking about the different awards and what we think about the people who are awarded the different awards so without further ado (laughs) we'll jump right in starting with manager of the year the manager for the american league was bob melvin of the oakland athletics and for the national league it was brian snicker of the braves what do you think mark i think this is a stupid award (laughs) i do too (laughs) (laughs) i don't know like how do you
0: like every other award has has like a solidified way of how you earn the award. Like, who performs the best in these different categories? This does not have that. It's like, who's the best manager? Like, based on what? like. Yeah. And what always happens is it's always the teams that outperform their preseason expectations, which exactly. is fine. Like, that's kind of a cool way to do it. Like, yeah, good job, Bob Melvin. Like, the A's were supposed to finish, like, fourth, and they made the playoffs and won, like, almost a 100 games. So that's great. Like, what? what's the – I just don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to me. Um, so, I don't I, – I've never really liked this award. It always just seems, like, arbitrary for who wins it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's whoever wins the World Series, and sometimes it's not. Like, I was kind of surprised Alex Cora didn't win it because first-year manager, um Red Sox, obviously, won the World Series and were just dominant all year. Um, but then you also have the problem of, like, how much of that credit is due to the manager versus the players. Um one thing I will say, when I was, if I had to pick my own manager of the year in the American League, I think a cool way to look at it is giving it to Kevin Cash, the Rays manager. He finished third in the voting. And they didn't make the playoffs, but dude pioneered a successful opener strategy. Good point. Like, that's big. Yeah. That's, right?
1: It's a whole new element of baseball. And I totally agree. If you didn't say what you were going to say, I was going to say exactly the same thing. Like, you could rename this award to, like, Manager of the team that exceeded expectations award. Yeah, <laughs> it's like that's how it's always been. So it is. We've always. I don't know. Yeah, and I mean, there's just no... look
0: at look at the manager of the year in the and National League. The top three is Brand Snicker from the Braves, Craig Counsell from the Brewers, and Bud Black from the Rockies. Like, all. I th- mean, they like. I guess they were all assumed to be like okay, but
1: they weren't harmful to the team.
0: No. Um, so I don't know because like Mike Schilt is fourth, Joe Madden fifth, Dave Roberts sixth. So I think Dave Roberts' team in two straight World Series. He should get some credit for that. He finishes sixth in this voting. Joe Madden, I guess I'm biased, but he mani- he I think he did a really good job managing a team full of holes. Um, obviously, Mike Schultz did a phenomenal job taking over in St. Louis. So like, there's arguments to be made for literally every person on that list. So I just I think it's pretty arbitrary.
1: Yeah, and there's no, there's no way to compare. Like, you can't say, like, well, what if they would have had this manager yeah. instead of this manager? Then how would this team have performed? There's no – you can kind of do that with players in the yeah. field. Like, oh, yeah, if they had, didn't have this guy at shortstop, this probably would have been what you'd expect. But there's no way to determine that with managing. So I agree. Like, there's,
0: there's no way to – almost no way to argue it. Like, if you're like, well, I really think – Alex Cora should be Bob Melvin like I can't counter you mm-hmm. with no like I'm like okay like that's nice it's like yeah. congratulations that's an opinion so I don't, I don't know. I,
1: and it's what it is maybe they could change the way this award is given um, and I'm not fully sure I mean it's based on votes but maybe do it with some sort of like fan approval rating and like player which that gets a little hairy but like yeah. some way where it's like how much do people like what he's doing who actually know because yeah. like I feel really in touch with like what the cardinal management is doing, but there's no way I can compare Bob Melvin to, you know, like some other yeah. random manager. Like I just don't know, but like if they took some baseline where it was like based on fan metrics or yeah. like people who really know the team, I could maybe see that being beneficial, but I don't know. Yeah, I'm it, not a big fan of this. It's
0: hard to know what a manager does when they're not managing your favorite team because you spend most of the time watching them. So like, yeah, I can give you a great rundown of Joe Madden as manager, and you can talk a lot about Mike Matheny and Mike Schilt and what they did in St. Louis, but it's hard to talk about other teams' managers, and I'm surprised. This is the last point I'll make. I don't want to beat a dead horse here, but I I think at some point in the next few years, I'd be shocked if there's not some statistical, um, I don't want to say breakthrough because that's not really what it would be, but if they started taking statistics of, okay, when a manager polls this, when they put in a new early pitcher, like, this percentage of time, they strand the runners. Like, because that would be, like, a pretty objective way of... and I mean, they don't control the pitchers, but, like, playing matchups and stuff like this. Yeah. I don't know. Um, you think there'd be some type of evaluation statistically for managers with the whole stat revolution, I guess, we've gone yeah, through in baseball, like and there's really Pinch not. hitters
1: coming through, yeah. which would make Mike Matheny look like a saint. But <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yeah, because then
0: you saw this, well, like, well, they... That, that makes sense on paper, but it didn't pan out in real life, so it's still kind of hairy. But All right, let's move on to the next award. Rookie of the Year in the American League, Shohei Otani won. In the National League, it was Ronald Acuna Jr. What do you think about those two picks?
1: I think Otani is the no-question-about-it choice for the American League, and he will be the no-question choice as long as he puts up decent numbers on both sides of the field because no one else is doing this. It's true. He has I, such a war advantage over anyone else.
0: I, I'm very plugged in. Yeah. I'm very plugged in on, like, baseball Twitter. Like, I really enjoy, like, following a bunch of journalists and then the discussions with, like, different different awards and stuff. I was shocked at the vocal outcry among so many that Andrew Hart did not win this award. Like, their argument was, like, that he carried the Yankees. Like, he was, like, the best offensive player all year. Early looks most consistent. But, like, Otani was great. <laughs> Really great as a hitter, and he was really good as a pitcher. Like, he provided you, what, 326 at-bats. I don't know how many plate appearances. It's not on this page. 367. Okay. So, he 367 plate appearances as, like, probably a top 20 hitter, top 30 hitter. And then he gave you uh, 51.2 innings as, like, a really solid starter. Like, it's just, he was, he's so good. Like, no one else gave you that on both sides of the field. So, um, I was surprised at how upset some people were that he didn't win because I thought it was a pretty clear-cut thing.
1: But, yeah, I, I think if you're going to make a case for him not being it, you would make the case that he missed a lot of playing time, or, like on both sides. Like, he wasn't always yeah. ready to, or able to pitch, and so sure. he didn't, but he'd fill in at DH, and you know, there are times when he was completely injured. And, like, Anduhar had, by comparison, 606 played appearances. Yeah. So, like, if you're just comparing those two things. Like, his batting against – anduhar's batting it's like well of course anduhar had like a way more complete season a lot more counting
0: stats but ratio, ratio stats, stats otani still beats him in this like he has a 70 point higher
1: ops interesting okay that's a good point so <clears throat> yeah i think like this shows how you don't like how easy it would be because he won mvp and he didn't even play a complete season like what does it look We're like when, uh, year, or sorry just, yeah that's what i meant sorry just want to
0: clarify yeah good catch
1: and so like if if Otani actually starts 25 games next year and puts up decent, like, how much more is he going to be, like, a top notch candidate? So, like, it's really interesting to see, like, how is someone going to beat Otani at MVP if he's able to generate a good chunk of war on both sides of the field?
0: He's having Tommy John this offseason, so he won't pitch it all next year. He'll be, like, a full time hitter. I guess, full time. I don't know what that means for him, maybe five days a week. But, yeah, I mean, the year after that, like, you think 2020, like, if. Yeah, if he starts 25 games and he's a pretty good pitcher and a pretty good hitter, like does he just win MVP every year for the next like <laughs> five years if he's good? I mean, Mike Trout will have something to say about it. but Yeah, it's I almost just, unfair. But in terms of war, like he's yeah. going to rack it up a lot faster than yeah. anybody else.
1: The reality is his abilities are unfair. <laughs> you know, It's like the fact that he can do two things when everyone else can only do one. It's just like, well, why would you choose anybody else? And I think that's the logic that makes me think he's a great choice for the rookie of the year.
0: And the National League, um, Acuna, especially a two-man race, and Acuna ran away with it. He got 96% of the um, votes here. He had 27 first-place votes of the 30. Um, although it was pretty close between him and Soto, in my mind. Um, I do like that Soto had an OBP over 400. Not that Acuna's 366 is anything to scoff at, but yeah. um, he's the first rookie to ever have an OBP over 400. Um, so... I don't know. I, it's kind of, it, it's, you can go either way. I think um, Acuna is the better defender and his war reflects that. So mm-hmm. I wasn't really shocked that Acuna won. Yeah. But I think it's hard to pick between those two.
1: Yeah. Me, I, I agree that I think uh, Acuna was the right choice. Um, yeah. For most of the reasons you said, and I think you could attribute some of the OB, OBP of Juan Soto to the fact that he's on a non-competitive nationals team where he doesn't necessarily have to be pitched to as much. It's true. I can't say that that's the. Rea- I'm sure a more informed person could speak to the truth of that or the reality of that. Um, I don't know where Harrison Bader ended up finishing, but because I'm, because I'm biased,
0: he had one vote. One vote, not for first, just one vote. Sure, he was tied for sixth with Yosh Yoshitaka <laughs> Oh the yeah, Mets yeah, him. <laughs> Jeff McNeil from the Mets. Okay, so the final voting then was Acuna had 144 points, sort of had 89. Walker Buehler had 28. Brian Anderson had four, Flirty had two, and then those other three had, some, had one. Okay.
1: Yeah, I know there was some buzz about about Bader being it, just like because his defense was so marvelous. I think and his hitting fell off a little bit. It did, the end. yeah. So it kind of took him out of contention. But I wanted, for any Cardinal fans out there, Acuna definitely deserved this.
0: <laughs> yeah. He yeah. had more WAR than Soda, though, in fact. At least on baseball reference, which is what I'm looking at.
1: Well, I think that's all for Rookie of the Year. Anything else to add? Nope. Okay. So we'll move to Cy Young uh, and Blake Snell of the Tampa Bay Rays, one for the American League, and Jacob DeGrom of the New York Mets in the National League. And I think – I don't know what to say about this. Like, Well, I'll let you start.
0: (laughs) Um, National League was no question to me.
1: Yeah. Um, I was really
0: shocked that DeGrom didn't sweep it. I don't know who voted for – (laughs) <laughs> who gave Max Scherzer one first place vote but they were wrong I'm <laughs> <laughs> sorry but Jim DeGrom definitely should have won this game really Not that that it matters um, so the final voting there was DeGrom Scherzer and NOLA Freeland was fourth Corbin was fifth Miles Michaelis finishing sixth let's oh, go cool. um, so DeGrom was a pretty clear cut I don't think anyone was shocked he won <coughs> mm, excuse me um, looking at the AL I thought it was really close between Snell and Verlander um, and it was a really close vote. Um, vote. Voting total, Snell got 169 points, and Verliner got 154 points. They split first place votes, so Snell got 17 and Verliner got 13. So um, very close to the top there, but I thought, if I had to pick one, I think I would have went Snell. Um, the argument against him is he only threw 180 innings compared to Verliner's 214, um, but the ratio, for the most part, went to Snell. He had a better ERA, um, and his... Uh, I guess his whip was actually worse, Um, but ERA under two where no one else did that as a starter in the
1: American League. Yeah, 0.7 ERA is pretty drastic. Yeah. The difference between like a 3.5 and a 4.2, bring that down the other direction, like, yeah, that's pretty significant.
0: There's a really good article on Fangraphs, but right, I think, after this award was named, and you should look it up if you have any interest in, in the Cy Young voting, Um, Jeff Sullivan from Fangraphs wrote it, and he voted for Justin Verlander, and he explained why he did. And I don't want to get too far into it, but essentially he was saying um, there's a big BABIP difference allowed between the two. And the thing about the BABIP difference is that it was when runners were on base. Interesting. The BABIP against Blake Snell was, like, ridiculously low when runners were in scoring position and on base. Mm Mm-hmm where Verlander's is, like, really high. So, like, all these hits that, like, maybe wouldn't usually be hits were hits when it would have hurt Verlander more. I see. So it was really interesting argument, and it was really more in-depth than that, Um, but it was cool to read. So um, if you're interested more in comparing those two, that would be something I would encourage you to
1: check out. And some of the... Uh, maybe more interesting things about this discussion. I guess I should give you my thoughts. I, I agree. DeGrom, I like him as my choice for the National League, although I would say that there are some stats that maybe make Scherzer a viable second candidate. And I really like Blake Snell being the choice for the American League, um, especially with like the low name value. I mean, he just like came out of nowhere and had a dominant season. So <clears throat> really like that one. But what I do think is interesting is how baseball has like finally migrated away from the win-loss record. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because DeGrom's... Sad looking ten and nine record. I think in the past would have been like a turnoff for a Absolutely. for an award like this. I'm so glad we're looking past that now. It started
0: in 2012. Felix Hernandez won the Cy Young, and he was like nine and eleven or thirteen and twelve. Mm-hmm. It was like really close to 500. Yeah, I think he had a losing record that year, and he won the Cy Young because so he was just ridiculous. Yeah, um, but yeah, no. Thankfully, people are realizing that win losses is not a not a great way to determine who's a great pitcher.
1: Exactly because this neither of these guys like it would have gone the other direction if we looked at win loss records. Well, yeah. I guess Blake Snell was twenty one five, so that's not true at all. But um, Scherzer did have more strikeouts, and I still have not landed exactly where I think um, strikeouts should weigh in a pitcher's value. I think ERA is still maybe like about as clean cut as it gets when it comes to assessing a pitcher's value and so i'm glad that these guys with sub two eras got got the nod for the award but they did beat out guys who had more strikeouts than them and it's not as dramatic in the national league but like verlander did have 69 more strikeouts than snell and like at what point is that like where does that fall in in the assessment of a pitcher's value i I don't know
0: i mean obviously strikeouts are the most
1: valuable out you can get because
0: there's no chance of a ball being put in play Um, which obviously is the goal as a pitcher. Um, So I think they are incredibly important, and you shouldn't underscore the value of them, but I think when there's – I think that would have been a bigger factor if the difference in the ERA was not as pronounced as it was. Like, if Snell had a 1.89 and Verlander had a 2, then you're looking at the strikeouts, and you're like, well, he had 69 more. Like, maybe Verlander should win because the ERA difference isn't that big. Yeah. And he had more innings, and he had, you know, um, nothing that comes into play. Um, but the ERA differences in both leagues were pretty big between the winners and losers.
1: Yeah, so. I've got to agree, and that's why I'm ca- happy with both of these choices. I just wanted to throw that stuff out there. Those are a couple of thoughts I had about trying to quantify the value of a pitcher. But I think they did a good job this year.
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, moving on to the final awards, we'll talk about um, MVP. Uh, of course, Smokey Betts of the Red Sox took home the American League and Christian Yelich of the Brewers and the National League. I don't think either of these came as a surprise. What did you think about these awards?
1: Uh, I thought that they were uh, great choices. I, I mean, not that I don't know. It's, uh, this day and age in the sabermetrics era, I don't think you can make like a uh, the atrocious choices that maybe you were able to make in years past. I mean, I can think of some, some like notable rip-off picks in the past, but like I think they've done a pretty good job the last couple of years. I mean, there are some other names that deserve being mentioned. You know, like Freddie Freeman had a really good year, Nolan Arenado. But I'm definitely Mookie Betts, like no question. Like I think that's an easy choice in my opinion. But uh, Christian Yelich was maybe a little bit more controversial. I I could definitely see people wanting to like come up with another choice. But if you take a step away from the sabermetrics. And think about how much what he did for that Brewers team. I just think there is no way like he th- that team wouldn't have been in contention without Christian Yelich.
0: I think it's I would disagree not totally disagree with you, but I view it as the other way where I think Christian Yelich was a very clear choice in the National League. Oh, really? Where I think Mookie Betts was more controversial in the American League. Um, not that I don't think Mookie Betts should have won. Um, I would have voted for him over Mike Trout. And you know, if you ever watched yeah. to this podcast, you know that I love Mike Trout. <laughs> and <laughs> We should all love Mike Trout because he's the best baseball player that probably almost all of us have ever seen play. Um, and it, his numbers were better, but I think Trout wasn't that far away that he probably could have got more votes than he did. He only got one first place vote. Um, Betts got 28, and the, the other one went to JD Martinez, someone who I guess loves counting statistics like home runs and RBIs. Yeah. Um, where I think Yelich just, I mean, in the American League, there were more, there were better, there was more good players essentially. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Which isn't surprising to anyone. Everyone knows that right now. Um, but is 1,000 OPS. There's no one else close to that number. Um, where you look in the American League, there are three players with over a 1,000 OPS. So, um, I mean, Yelich. <laughs> if this award was given at the end of August, it would have been really close between him and Baez, and I think Baez might have won it. Yelich um, had like. A historic ri- ri- absolutely ridiculous second half. Yeah, absolutely. Um I think his home run to fly ball ratio in the second half was like forty eight percent, which is like unheard of. Like mm-hmm. half of the balls he hit in the air the outfield were home runs. Like that doesn't happen ever anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so um I thought it was pretty uh obvious he won he he only got twenty nine first place votes. The yep. one other one went to Jacob deGrom, actually. Um so I don't know. I, I I think the people who should have won, won won, but I would say the American league in my mind was had better runner ups, runners up. I don't know
1: if that makes sense. Yeah, sure. And I, yeah, I think one interesting name that wasn't at the forefront who also deserves a lot of mentioning is Lorenzo Cain. Like, I don't sure. know how the brewers went out and picked up two guys for both MVP candidates and one of them winning, seventh. but like Lorenzo Cain on another team is like top three, maybe like his, his war was really good. I mean, I have ESPN up right now which is probably not the best place to go to look at war he says he got 6.9 which yeah, I don't know what they use um is really good and so I'm I'm kind of feel bad for him because oh, yeah that's,
0: that's baseball on reference war is it okay on uh fan graphs, he had 5.7 and finished four that's
1: notably different okay yeah and uh also we threw this caveat out last year but I have no interest in seeing a pitcher win MVP. Yeah, we talked about this a lot before, but yeah, so, no, go ahead. and Obviously, like, DeGrom led the National League in war, but he is eligible for the Cy Young, and I think he wins the Cy Young, and a position player wins MVP. That's I think,
0: yeah, he, I don't want to get too far into this because we talked about it before pretty yeah. extensively, but I, I agree with you that I would not vote for a pitcher to win MVP, not because I don't think they could be the most valuable player, because if you look at it, war, Jacob DeGrom 100% had more than all the hitters. Mm-hmm. Um, but... but it's more so that they're like the premier awards are Cy Young and MVP. Cy Young is only eligible for pitchers. I think MVP should only be eligible for hitters unless they make another award that would fill that
1: gap. Like Silver Slugger or something. No, and, and that work, ha- that works they, different. Yeah,
0: they have those awards. They have Silver Slugger and they have the Hank Aaron Award, which is like outstanding offensive player, but that doesn't encapsulate defense. Sure. So if they had another award that was like best position player and then they did an MVP separate from that, mm-hmm. I'd be totally fine with the pitcher winning it. But I don't like the idea of a pitcher winning Cy Young and MVP. I know there are people who would vehemently disagree with me and you on that, but that's the way I see it. Yeah. So I don't really have a problem with Degrom getting a vote because, like, yeah, if you if that's your point of view, then sure, he was the most valuable player. Um, but I just don't like that personally.
1: Yeah, and even you know, if you got, if you really want to think about who was most valuable, literally, like maybe he was, but yeah, that, that, exactly what you said. We and both. then it
0: gets into the most valuable. Dynamic of, does that mean best statistics, or does that mean like if you take them off this team, this team is not as good, or this team has to be in the playoffs to for you to win MVP? Like you get in all these little caveats, yeah. Where people the will, like, value all, is relative. People will say like, well, "My Trout should never win MVP because the, the Angels haven't made the playoffs," and it's like, but like how? That's not his fault. Yeah. Like, what do you, want? <laughs> what do you want? I don't understand. So anyway, that's a whole side topic. We could do a whole podcast on the MVP award, um, but. We'll let it go, I guess,
1: for now. <laughs> yep, and we'll let go all of the awards discussion and take a quick plug segment. I don't know what I'm talking about. But first, <laughs> you can you can find us uh, – well, send us an email, podcast at gmail.com. Third time's the charm. We would love to hear your thoughts about what we can do to make this podcast better, or we'd even love to introduce a segment where like, we answer some questions you might have. Uh, We'd really love your feedback of any kind. So consider sending us an email, extrainningspodcast at gmail.com.
0: You can find us on social media. On Facebook, we are Extra Innings Baseball. And on Twitter, we are at Extra Innings Pod. That's
1: at Extra Innings P-O-D. And you can just look for the cover art on both of those sites. We'd also love it if you left us a rating on um, whatever application you use to listen to this podcast A rating helps us. We also, we get to see that feedback and so we know how we can improve the podcast and it also lets others know what you think. And it gives us a little more uh, notoriety in the podcasting realm. So we'd love it if you left us a rating on whatever app you happen to use.
0: Lastly, if you are a big supporter of the podcast, you've been listening for a while and view it as a very important part of the way that you digest and analyze the game of baseball, Consider supporting the podcast on Patreon. You can find us at patreon.com/slash-extra-innings. If you're not familiar with it, um, Patreon is a platform that allows people to financially contribute to creators. Um, So there's all this cool stuff laid out there. Of if you pay X amount per month, you get these different tiers of rewards. And we also have a section on there talking about when we get so much money, we would love to do these different things. So we would love to have a standalone website where maybe instead of just an audio podcast. You can go and see the videos we do, or you can read articles we write. Um, just a all-in-one home for the podcast. There's lots of other cool stuff there, so you can check that out at patreon.com slash extra innings. Now we're going to move into the next segment where we'll talk about some transactions that have gone down so far this season. The first one, and I think I have these in chronological order. I may have messed them up a little bit. Um, but these did happen a while ago, some of them, but we still think they're worth talking about. Yep. Um, Clayton Kershaw signed a three-year 93 million dollar deal with the Dodgers instead of electing to become a free agent what are your thoughts on that deal from his perspective and then of course also the Dodgers perspective
1: um, I could, I don't know I, I he is the face of the Dodgers so yeah. this is definitely like a good move for the Dodgers I think to kind of keep the household name around I could have seen this going a lot differently I, I know that Kershaw has probably every right to be mad that he doesn't have a world series ring because he's put the team on the shoulders so many on his shoulders so many times, but this last year that wasn't how it went down. Like he wasn't that impressive in the postseason, And true. I don't think I, I don't think 93 million is like a low ball or I I think that's like a, not an edgy move with him because I really think he's still good, but like, in some ways, he should be grateful that he can still get a, a contract that big because, uh, I, I don't know, he's like, I don't want to say, I don't know, he just hasn't gotten the results that the Dodgers needed in the moments that they've needed them, like, I think historically.
0: Maybe I'm wrong in trying to interpret what you're saying, but it sounds to me, and this is how I feel, and maybe it's not how you feel, but Clayton Kershaw is still a great pitcher,
1: one of yes. the best in the game. Mm-hmm.
0: He is not what he used to be.
1: That's probably yeah. – yeah. What I've seen of him lately does not necessarily – I think he got a very nice contract, and he was smart for taking it.
0: Yeah. It had been interesting to see what he got on an open market. I don't know. He's, he's 30 years old. He'll be 31 in March, so I guess he'll be 31 when the new season starts. So you think maybe he gets a five-year $120 million deal, something like that. Um but you have to make an injury risk now because each of the last, what, what for the last five seasons, he hasn't he hasn't hit 30 games, where every other year before that he did he hit 30. Um, so injuries have been a part of him slowing down a little bit. Um, I think part of it's just him getting older. Mm-hmm. Um, he's still incredibly good, but I feel like in the past, when I talked about starting pitchers, Clint Kershaw was a tier above everyone else. Yeah, yeah. And then there's Clayton Kershaw, and then there was the elite pitchers, and then he, he was still better. And than we M- didn't even us.
1: mention his name once in the Cy Young Award this no, year. No,
0: we didn't. Um, which is crazy. But, but now I feel like when I talk about like the best pitchers in baseball, he's in that discussion. But I don't think I put him at number one right now. Yeah,
1: no, you're right in saying that. He's still
0: really, really good, but like, he is a step down from what he's not the Clayton Kershaw that we think of.
1: It's like when Miguel Cabrera's... Well, I don't know. His de- his decline was kind of sudden. Yeah. But. Yeah, kind of a step down where he's he was yeah a tier above everyone and now he's with he's he's in in the top ranks so yeah yeah that's exactly right and and to further reiterate like I wish I had some more like metrics to kind of back this up, but he's just not coming through when the Dodgers need him most like in the regular season he like can do so well and like even in the past up until the last season or two, we've seen the splits on how much better the Dodgers were when he was healthy and when he was pitching. And then that has just changed where like the Dodgers are now the ones who are able to win games and then they need him to come through in the moments when vintage Clayton Kershaw would always come through and he hasn't done it. So um, I can kind of see both. I could have definitely seen this going a different direction where both teams or both him and the Dodgers are ready to like part ways. Yeah. Like the Dodgers have grown up out of the Kershaw era. Like they just don't need him anymore. And then Kershaw's like, I'm ready to go somewhere that I can win. But they're deciding to stick it out together, so I'm kind of interested to see how that shakes out moving forward.
0: There's a little bit of worry worrying sign for me when I look at his stats, when I see um, his – so I'm just going to read you his strikeout percentages starting in 2014 and each subsequent year. So 2014, 31.9. 2015, 33.8. 2016, 31.6. 2017, 29.8. 2018, 23.9. Like the, by far the worst since at least – 2013, and the worst he's put up since his rookie season. So, um, honestly, there just wasn't the dominance on the mound. Like, his first strikeout per nine below 10 since 2013, um, it just – he's still really good, but he, it's not that – he's not the best pitcher, and he's not going to get the contract that's – if he was a free agent three, four years ago, his contract would have been a lot more than what he got. Yeah, totally. He's still got $31 million, which is a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know where that ranks in pitcher – pay per year, but I would guess it's like top five. Um, but before he would got more than that.
1: Um, moving on to our, uh, sorry, that's your, that's yours. Tell me about uh, our next one. Ooh, I would love Step to. it on your toes. Because the Cardinals re-signed Adam Wainwright to a one-year, two-million-dollar deal. His contract is laden with ex- incentives, as Mark stated. Wainwright could earn an additional eight million dollars as a starter and seven million dollars as a reliever if he meets certain thresholds. And I'll just jump right in and say, I love this. Yeah, this is it. a bargain. million at the bare minimum. So the Cardinals are coming into the season with 12 options for starting pitching viable between the minors and the majors. Only five guys are going to be getting that. At least that's my understanding. And (laughs) so why not throw Wainwright in the mix for 2 million? Like I would love to see it. He actually had a pretty good finish to the 2018 season, like bounce back. And we saw like increase in velocity, like some things that were really good signs. Um, I'm all about this. And, I'm all about incentives, too. Like, why not let it, make a player earn his paycheck?
0: I'm sure as more players don't do this. Like, bet on yourself. Like, give me a smaller base salary, but, like, I believe in my ability enough that give me, like, 15 million in incentives. Like, you wouldn't pay me that much as a guarantee, but if I give you this crazy amount of talent that I think I have, then you owe me it. Like, I'm surprised as more players don't do that.
1: Yeah, and I can see it. Anyone would take a guaranteed contract where they can just sure. sit back and it doesn't yeah. matter if they perform or not, but, like... I think this is beneficial for both sides. Like, gives the player an incentive. It's like capitalism or something in the baseball world. Like, he (laughs) has to go out and earn his money. Like, he can't just sit around and take a paycheck for the next six years.
0: I also think it's interesting that it gives incentives not just for him as a starter, but it gives him in the Cardinals, like, incentive to be creative with how they use them. Like, some incentives, like... If it was all of him as a starter, and they're like, "Well, we're gonna put you in the bullpen," I'd be like, "But nah Yeah, now I can't the, earn. Yeah, you can't earn this money that I had in my contract, and now he can. So, um, I think that's interesting.
1: Yeah, and he's a franchise player. He wants. He's the type of guy who wants to help the Cardinals wherever they need him. He's not, you know, too like, I don't know, too prideful to say like, "No, I want to be played in this way." He just wants to help the franchise, which I really like. I mean, I think if anyone who's a Cardinal fan loves Adam Wainwright, and he's done so many great things for the team, so it's cool to see him like have the right state of mind to realize that the way he can help the team now may not even be on the field. Like it might be yeah. sitting on the bench talking with the young guys, but he, he wants to do that. He wants to do whatever he can to help the team. So I'm excited for this.
0: Sure. Um, moving on to our next one. He engine He was the only free agent to accept a qualifying offer. Agreeing to return to the Dodgers for one year worth $17.9 million. This seems like it was a beneficial deal for both sides. The Dodgers mm-hmm. avoid any long-term risk with him. And, I mean, he's his career has been so marred by injuries. Yeah. It's phenomenal. He's a um, rookie. <laughs> but last year, started 15 games, had a 1.97 ERA. Um, much worse FIP, 3.0 FIP. But um, overall, I mean, I, th- I think this is smart for him because he's going to get a higher annual contract value here. and He's going to have a chance next year to go out and show, like, hey, I'm healthy. I can pitch 30 games a year and be good and then he'll be free again next year so
1: yep i think this is pretty good for both sides because obviously like by far the best numbers he's put together in a single season last yeah. year and so dodgers will get a chance low commitment as far as lo- like the length of the deal like if that number if those numbers weren't sustainable and he doesn't do that well you're only on the hook for one season yeah but like you like you just said if he does really well he's free to go somewhere else and make a ton more money it's true Next, the Diamondbacks signed Eduardo Escobar to a three-year, $21 million contract. And I've got to admit, I wasn't aware of how well he did this offseason until Mark kind of brought up how underrated he was. Put together some really solid numbers.
0: Yeah, and 3.5 war last year is like a third or over a third of his career total. Um, So maybe it's a flash in the pan. I don't know. Um, The last year hit 272, 334, 489, 23 home runs, and 84 RBIs with – Time spent in both Arizona and Minnesota, and I was a little puzzled by the fact that he accepted this before becoming, <clears throat> excuse me, an actual free agent. Because I feel like he could have probably done better. Because he can play outfield,
1: second base, third base. That's what I was gonna say his versatility is worth a natural like five million a season just alone because he can play so many different positions. Yeah,
0: and I mean, I think of Marwin Gonzalez is gonna be one of the more sought after free agents this off season because he can do the same thing he's probably not as versatile as gonzalez is but he's a 29 year old guy who played really plus defense at third base this year emerges really solid defensive third baseman and hit well above league average um had a wrc plus of 117 and i mean overall it made strides uh cut or up to his walk percentage um considerably um have to the highest line drive rate of his career like Overall, really solid season for this guy, and I'm I'm just the, I think the Diamondbacks got a really good deal here, Me especially too. if he continues to play this way. Um, but I think he was probably not as wise. I guess I I wonder if part of it is seeing what happened at the market last year and how these guys <laughs> didn't take some of these early deals they were offered for multi-year contracts uh-huh. and then ended up with like one-year, ten million dollar deals in February.
1: Yeah, that is a good point. I wonder if some people are scared of that reoccurring because I I agree. I think Diamondbacks, if like worst case scenario, they get a very versatile defender, and anybody will take that. Like teams, not it's not uncommon for teams to have like a really bad hitter who can play four different positions. And so with Escobar, you're getting probably a really good hitter and definitely getting that versatility. So yeah, I think that's a great deal for the Diamondbacks. And like you, I kind of agree that he could probably have done better somewhere else. Yeah, his career
0: average, like career batting numbers are a little bit below league average. Career in 94 WRC plus 312 Woba for his career. But even if you get that number in the Diamondbacks and he plays five different positions, like sign me up for that. Absolutely. Moving on to the next one, more of a minor one, but wanted to mention it. The Red Sox resigned World Series MVP Steve Pierce to a one year $6.25 million deal. So, uh, Pierce, of course, um, had that heroic World Series and really played well in Boston last year. Um actually really overall last year's really solid player, but in Boston hit two eighty four, three seventy eight, five twelve with eleven homers. I'm sorry. Uh that was that's total. Eleven homers 42 RBIs for the season. Just really good season for him in only seventy six games.
1: Yeah, and fifty of those with Boston with the seven home runs and twenty six RBIs. Um really came through for them when they needed it, it seems like a lot of American League teams are already like powerhouses, like them and the Yankees, really bolstered by guys like Pierce and Luke Voigt. And so, cool to see him getting to stick around. I mean, I think this this is the team you want to be on right now. So, Steve Pierce getting to stick around, like you need to be a part of a really awesome team. That's that's pretty good. I six point two five million. I don't know.
0: That's not much money.
1: Yeah, it it's like it's hard to assess the value because after you get to blow a certain amount, it's like, okay, he's. This isn't really a significant cost to the Red Sox. Yeah. Like, is he worth this? It's like, uh, I don't know. It's only one year. So yeah, it's, it's, like it's a low-commitment contract. It's just more notable that Steve Pierce will continue playing with the Red Sox.
0: He's been like in every other year, hitter since 2014. Like, you'll get, like, 161 WRC+, 93, 136, 100, 140. So maybe next year will be an average year for him. We'll see if that continues.
1: We will. Next beginning of the dismantling of the Seattle Mariners the Yankees Brian's acquired team. I know well second favorite team but yeah <clears throat> the Yankees acquired James Paxton from the Mariners in exchange for prospects Justice Sheffield Dom Thompson Williams and Eric Swanson so don't have a ton of information on those prospects Sheffield really high rated pitching prospect okay I think I've heard that name now that I think about it um, yeah James Paxton I think we know what we're getting there Yankees more pitching that's what I need too. exactly
0: Um, I mean, Paxton, of course, very well-known for the injuries he's gone through throughout his career. Um, But when he's been on the mound, like, he's been phenomenal. Last year, 376 ERA, which you don't love. It's a little high. But 3.24 FIP, 3.02 XFIP. So, it looks like it was a little higher than you'd like, um, or at least than it should have been. A 11.68 strikeout per nine, 2.36 walk per nine. Like, overall, really solid numbers. Mm Um being a lefty in Yankee Stadium is pretty solid because that that right field porch is so short. Like you're not as worried about it as a left handed pitcher as you would be as a right handed pitcher. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but yeah, the, I think it's a great deal for the Yankees. Yeah, I, I have to agree. I mean, we'll, we'll only time will tell with these prospects, but Yankees needed just that. They needed starting pitching. That was their biggest weakness coming into the playoffs. And James Paxton will be a great addition to that.
0: Yeah, as long as he stays healthy, this is a plus deal for the Yankees. Probably the biggest uh, move so far this offseason, I would say. Yeah, I think you're right. And we're on to our final transaction we're going to highlight here. The Braves, actually two transactions, I guess, brought in two big-name veterans, catcher Brian McCann on a one-year $2 million contract and third baseman Josh Donaldson on a one-year $23 million deal. What do you think about those two moves for the Braves?
1: I love bringing back Brian McCann for a negligible amount of money. Like there's no pressure for him to actually do anything good, but just the the fans are going to love having him in in the lineup. And, you know, he can fill in from time to time better
0: in presence on a really young roster. Yeah, true. And
1: and I don't know, like he's maybe not the most, I'm not going to say that he's like the type of guy you love to have your young players. You know, I don't think he's like the, the nourishing veteran like he's pretty intense yeah (laughs) but i uh but
0: but i will say that he's very well known around the league publicly his players like swear by how good of a teammate he is
1: okay well yeah maybe i guess that's true most of the incidents with mccann have mostly been with other teams like other players yeah exactly like Home run trots and stuff. Oh yeah, he's
0: not about he's not about the uh, he's all about the unwritten rules. Like he's a very traditional baseball player. So I
1: hope Puig gets a disgusting <laughs> bat flip and we get to see an altercation at home plate. That would not shock me. But I imagine Tyler Flowers and I might go as so far as to say I think Tyler Flowers will get more starts than McCann. Oh, he will, 100%. I, Like I was looking at roster resource just now and it has McCann listed as the starting catcher. I, I don't think that's true. I think it'll definitely be Flowers, and then McCann can just fill in. And like you said, veteran presence ultimately. Um, but great to bring him back. Like I'd love for like the Cardinals to do this with Pujols someday or something. Like That'd be awesome. I think any fan base loves this type of thing. Um,
0: yeah, I honestly had kind of forgotten before I looked at his page, he had spent nine years in Atlanta. I mean, I knew he was there. That's where he started his career. But I wouldn't have guessed it was that long.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I knew that. He, I, when I think of him, I think of the Atlanta Braves. So, yeah, great homecoming. But I think more notably is the Josh Donaldson. Well, obviously. the the mo- <laughs> <laughs> Josh Donaldson coming to the Atlanta Braves. Yes, this is an interesting move. He'll be playing third base, and that seems so like Adam Duvall is going to be on the bench, I guess. Which after last season, I yeah. he hasn't it's become fair. what what we thought Cincinnati would be. Uh, yeah, so I I think this is fine. This is like a good pickup for them. Fills a hole.
0: Absolutely, this is great. I think this is a great move for them. Um, Johan Camargo, who has spent most of the time at third base for them, so kind of puts him into like a super utility guy role, and he had been really really solid last year, too. So you, you love having that guy who can be above average and play five positions, kind of like we talked about with um, Eduardo Esquimar Yeah. Um, this is a great deal for both both sides. Donaldson has a chance to come out and prove how good he is. I mean, he's one season removed from being, like, one of the best hitters in the league. Mm-hmm. And mainly it was hampered by injuries. not as if when he was on the field he played bad. Um, he had a slow start to the year, but uh, even in the last month, he pit really well for the Indians.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I think, <coughs> excuse me, coughing a lot today. Um, I, I think, think he's going to fill a huge role for, for the uh, Braves, and uh, this is definitely a prove it deal. Like one yeah. year, pretty solid money. But if he th- if things go well for him, I mean, next year you can see three four year deal, uh, twenty five million a year pretty easily for him.
1: Yep, got to agree. Maybe it's the chance for the Braves to earn loyalty. They, they they put their trust in him so they can extend him long-term. I think that would be a great deal if he can prove it.
0: And last year when he was healthy with the Indians last month, he hit 280, 400, 520. So pretty pretty typical uh, Josh Donaldson line there. So um, I think these are phenomenal moves by the Braves. They, yeah. Again, the McCann one has less impact than the Donaldson one for sure, but bringing in two veteran guys on a really young roster um, – who can really elevate this team and they're not taking any long-term risk at all um, is huge. So this is a great move by the Braves, I think.
1: Yep, got to agree. And, man, it's a good time to be a Braves fan because it seems like they're making all the right moves. They've completed the rebuild. They've got a lot of young talent, and now they've just like put the icing on the cake with the really solid veterans who have have all that playoff experience, which is something that arguably they could have used last year. Absolutely. Okay, we're we'll, almost done with the podcast here. We just have some other news that we will briefly fly through. Some interesting things that have happened since the off season. First, Joe Mauer and Adrian Beltre have both retired. And the first thing I mentioned to Mark this was before the podcast, I said, wow, I have witnessed the whole career of Joe Maurer because I remember when he was that young phenom rookie, and now he's retired. I'm starting to feel old.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of weird because you said that and I hadn't thought about it, but those guys who are retiring, like... I wasn't really paying attention when they started, and I remember Joe Mauer being like the young, like you said, the young and upcoming guy. I remember he won MVP. Like this guy's gonna be great forever, and he was really good. But it just, yeah, it's kind of like wow. Like (laughs) I've been watching baseball for a long time now. I know we're still pretty young relatively, but it just kind of hits you that way. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, Adrian Beltre was pretty sad for me. I he's
1: a baseball icon, I think.
0: He is. And I'm sure lots of people feel this way. But most people retiring don't really bother me. But I was, man, I was sad. I saw that and I'm like, all right. Like, I I love Adrian like One of my favorite players. Um, Phenomenal third baseman. I think he'll be a first bout Hall of Famer. Um, Great hitter. Mm -hmm. A absolutely phenomenal defender. One of the best defenders at the position probably ever. Um, Even as he's getting older, still a really good defender. Um he was a guy who. There's a great article in the Athletic. If you have the Athletic it's a subscription to them, you should look it up. Um, just about who he was as a player, and it sounds like he was a phenomenal human, um, just really caring and compassionate guy. And he played the game with like he just had fun. Like yeah.
1: I feel like he had so many like ridiculous moments. Yeah, he and Elvis Andrews will go down as like as an iconic left side of that Rangers. Exactly. Field
0: and him and Felix Hernandez were like great friends whenever they faced each other it was always really funny um one of my favorite uh Adrian Beltane memories or highlights I think it was from two years ago you probably remember seeing this but like he wasn't standing in the batter's box or not in the batter's box in the on deck circle he was standing like closer to the home plate than the on deck circle and so the umpire's like hey you need to get in the on deck circle and he didn't want to move so he grabs the on deck circle (laughs) and pulls it to where he was standing and he got ejected (laughs) I remember that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he just, like, had so much fun playing, and it was so evident. And he just loved what he was doing and had fun with it. And I feel like so much of the time people forget that, and it's taken so seriously. And I know I harp all the time on these stupid unwritten rules and how dumb they are, and I'm all about, like, flip your bat. Like, let's just, let's just have fun with it. But this guy, like, embodied that, and was it was a great player, so... Pretty sad about that. But yep. I think both of these guys are probably Hall of Famers now closer to maybe be on the edge of it. Um, but Beltre for sure. But we'll see when the, ball- the ballad is weird. Yep, it sure is. <clears throat> All right, next, moving on to one of our final things, the Marlins unveiled new logos and uniforms that the team will start using next year. And I know it's kind of hard to convey this on a audio podcast, but uh, what are your, uh, you've seen the logo, you've seen the uniforms. What do you think about it?
1: Uh, not a fan. I agree. <laughs> I don't love it. it. Seems like this is always like that. The bottom of the barrel team needs to spark some new incentive to be a fan, and and they think that changing the logo is going to do it. Oh, I just I don't get it.
0: Yeah, like it's I don't know. Like I just they could have been done so much better.
1: Seriously, it's like let l- l- let me take a stab at this. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's like I I could have <laughs> whipped something up. Like, come on, guys!
1: It's like that neon. Like that's that's what I would describe their new logo as. Like if yeah, you, you could make a neon sign out of this that look pretty cool.
0: You could, yeah. And it's black with almost a neon blue, and I guess that's red. Um, or not orange, orange anymore. So, yeah. I don't know. Um, but I, I don't know. Like the the jerseys are very plain. They're just white with Miami on the front. Like, I don't know. I just they're not very inspired. <laughs> so. Don't love it. Um, this is a little different topic, but one thing I love about the NBA is their embrace of, like, so many different alternate uniforms. Yeah. And I know that's so, such a marketing thing to sell merchandise, and I know that's what it is. Yeah, to buy But a, I, I love it. Yeah, yeah. I love the alternate jerseys. I love the – because they don't, like – I feel like baseball alternate jerseys are pretty much the same thing as the normal jerseys, but like, a little different color.
1: yeah. The NBA ones are totally different. Yeah, it'd be like lime green or something. That's not even in the palette of the team's colors. Yeah, I love it. It's so cool to have that as different options.
0: I wish MLB would do stuff like that. And I was hopeful. I love looking at the jerseys, and I was hopeful that the Marlins would do something cool, and they just didn't. So, yeah, kind of a bummer. Yeah, I agree. I don't mind the
1: blue ones. The blue Marlins jerseys they have, I like those the best. I'm not sure if I've seen that. Is it like the, the blue tint on like a gray? It's no, it's blue. It's like okay. full on like. I need to find
0: this one. I don't think bright I Bright blue.
1: I'm panning the through their Twitter videos, and I haven't found it yet. It's on that <laughs> spreadsheet link I put. Oh, okay. If you want to see it.
0: Well, anyway. Someone just used the spreadsheet I made for the episode. <coughs> oh, <laughs> yep. Yeah, maybe, maybe someday.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, Honestly, I don't know. I think we could do it better than the Marlin. If I was going to go this far, okay, those blues aren't bad. But anyway, I would consider changing mascots completely. I don't think Marlins is that cool. It's such a weird – it's just like a random fish. You could do something cool. I mean, that I, I could say that the Cardinals are a random bird, so I don't know. <laughs> it's just a random fish. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a one-liner. It'd be like, anyway. This is the opener right there. Yeah. <laughs> just a random What fish. would you... Okay. Top of your head. Miami, what? Uh, Oh, gosh. Are you going to Florida? You can I think thinking something related to the sun, the sun or like...
0: Is like the marlin the state fish of Florida or something, maybe? Maybe.
1: I, I don't think so. But, yeah, it's something related to maybe like something tropical or yeah the, like the
0: Tampa rays, that makes sense
1: yeah i, I like that a lot better because a ray that's kind of a cool animal but that could be know. a ray
0: or it could be like a sun ray
1: exactly it be both sun yeah 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 <laughs> anyway i don't mean to open a whole new topic but <laughs> it's like if you're gonna go this far like this logo is not that good uh, i think you, you could have just like done a whole brand refresh and say we're not gonna be the marlins anymore we're gonna be the Jeeters or something
0: didn't they claim to, like, have – they
1: weren't based in Miami. You remember that oh, report gosh, from last year? They're from – uh, The British, some British, British Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> they're trying to evite some tax thing. Yeah, I don't know <laughs> where that ended up. The Marlins are a mess right now. Hopefully their team can put together some better performance on the field than what their management is doing off the field.
0: But the most exciting offseason move your team does is change to crappier logos. Like, it's kind of sad. Yeah,
1: downgraded your logos. It's like we want our logos to reflect our talent, so we've gone to this this, this junk
0: i didn't even, i didn't love the last ones but i liked it better than this one
1: <laughs> yeah seriously they <laughs> went the wrong direction <laughs> they did that takes us to our last news i don't know we need like sad no no not is sad triumphant music yeah. yeah after two sad like news playing. topics yeah exactly this is triumphant bartolo cologne i i'm so happy to report intends to return and play his 22nd professional season in 2019
0: this is on the back, of course, of his legendary, was that Kingsford
1: charcoal oh, commercial? Oh gosh, that was <laughs> that was gold.
0: If you haven't seen it, you have to look it up. It's just like a Bartolo Cologne commercial. One of the best commercials I've ever seen in my life. Like I love it. He, so he's good.
1: grilling like huge pigs, right? Yeah. yeah. It's, just, it's just so good. It's really funny. Did manage to generate a half a war <laughs> this year. So I guess you could say he's doing... He's contributing in a positive way.
0: Yeah, his last two years of a 6.48 and 5.76 ERA don't inspire me too much.
1: But still, I did re- I did see a funny meme last or the other day that was I think it was on like baseball memes on Facebook where they had average life expectancy of a goat and I had the animal goat 45 years and then it showed <laughs> a picture of Bartolo Colon age 45. <laughs> it, it was really funny. <laughs> uh, just love the the re- the respect people have across the league for Bartolo Cologne.
0: It'll be interesting to see what terrible team wants him to fill out a roster spot for a year.
1: Yeah, we'll see. That veteran presence, you know.
0: Maybe it'll be the Marlins. We'll get to see him in the new jerseys. That's true.
1: We can only hope.
0: Yep. All right, so that'll take us to the end of this episode of the podcast. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Mark Stia. My name is Ryan Vance. We'll see you next time.